Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Nick Knack News Radio, episode five. We have a huge show for you this evening. We have a special caller on the on the line. Uh, they'll be calling in later on for an interview. Andrew Sports Mongo. He's another YouTuber, uh, Twitter Mongo Nation guy. Um, but tonight, joining me on the show uh, is my co-host uh, John Brown. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, and contact us to get in touch with us. I'm at Nick underscore Durst on Twitter, and John is at SI underscore Sports on Twitter. Not to get confused with anything with Sports Illustrated. Uh, we'll get a little bit of Sports Illustrated in a few minutes here. But, uh, John, welcome back to the show. How was the business trip to Vegas? Thanks, man. Thanks. Vegas was uh, phenomenal. It really it was really great. Um, I wish I had some, like, cool, awesome Vegas stories. But, uh, you know, I'm actually pretty boring. I, I played a lot of poker. I actually hit a small flush on three-card poker, which is about $1,500. That's like my big hit. But, um, you know, I gave it back. But I did spend it on, like, steak, and I, I shot at the range. I actually played um, played golf out in Vegas, which was really nice. So I feel like, you know, I didn't come home with any money, but I still I feel like a winner because, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't go to the ATM the entire time I was there, which is nice. Definitely a productive business trip. Uh, as, oh, I, as, as we, uh, as I mentioned uh, like a minute ago, John is on Twitter <laughs> at underscore sports. Nothing to do with sports illustrating at all. But uh, recently, Friday actually, uh, my name was in a sports illustrated article in a article talking about predicting postseason success. So if you want to check that out, just search my name on Sports Illustrated. I'll be there. The same research project that I did was also on LB Now on the Alpha Network. A, uh, a few weeks ago, but sticking with the MLB theme here, uh, John, I know this probably upset you, one of your favorite players, <laughs> using air quotes here, Ruben Tejada was waived yesterday, and today he was released. How do you feel about that? Thank God. Now, listen, not that I don't like Ruben or whatever, but, you know, listen, the guy didn't have it. He's not a major leaguer. Look at his numbers. They're terrible. And I don't give me that on-base bullshit the guy is not a plus defender, and he batted near the fucking Mendoza line. You know, and <clears throat> my biggest problem with uh, Tejada is when they brought him up, they, they toted him as, oh, he's going to replace Reyes. Oh. And then he came in fat a couple times. Listen, he's not – he doesn't hit for power. Uh, he doesn't hit for average. He doesn't steal bases. He's an average shortstop at best. So, you know, see ya. Do you have any concerns about – Cabrera's injury, and now that Flores is probably able to start opening day at shortstop. No, not at all. Um, here's the thing. Flores showed me a couple things last year. A, is he a below-average defender? Absolutely. But but he hits for six extra base hits. You can just absorb his nonsense in the field. Plus, that's only a short-term thing. Um, Matt Reynolds, they're going to give him a shot, which I really, I really like. Because here's the thing. It's not that I like Matt Reynolds more than I like Ruben Dejada. I really, I don't know either of them. I could really care less. It's this. I know what Ruben Dejada is. We've given him 500 at-bats 
three or four times. You know, since 2011, he was had. We gave him the starting shortstop job. He's never actually earned it, and he's never never given us a reason not to to move away from him. So you know, we gave him the shot last year. We we gave him a shot to work off the bench, and you know what? He was all right. You know, he had a better year, but in reality, he, this is a contending team. He didn't have a contending year last year. He's fucking garbage. He sucks. So you know, worst case scenario, we'll play Matt Reynolds out there. He stinks. You know, you can get some guy off the street who's better than fucking, uh, you know, Tejada. Look at fucking Quinn. De- what was the guy? It's Quesadilla. Uh, what was his name? That he almost stole Omar, uh, Tejada. Omar, Omar yeah, there you go. He, Quesadilla almost stole his fucking job. And he was, you know, a 40-year-old journeyman. Well, the thing about Tejada is he actually is still young. He's only 26 years old. Uh, I think someone's definitely going to pick him up. Uh, but the Mets want to release him for financial reasons. They're going to be cheap. They're going to be saving $2.5 million. They have to, his contract for this year was $3 million. Uh, now they're going to have to pay him $500,000 for releasing him. Uh, it would be interesting to see where he goes, though. Uh, any prediction on where he might end up? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, best case, scenario, he's not a starting shortstop in the major leagues. So, you know, there's more than 32 people at shortstop better than him. So, you know, if anything, he'll become an insurance policy for somebody who's banged up or something like that. Like a, he'll become a bench player, but you know, he, he doesn't give you enough off the bench to warrant, you know, a, a spot on the 25 man roster. He's not going to pitch hit, hit lefties or something. He's not going to steal bases. He's an all right defender, but he's not a plus defender. You're not going to take any real bat out of the game to put him in there, you know? So I know he's only 26, which it kind of sucks, but unless he goes to some, you know, he goes to a Triple A team and really tears it up down there, he's he's probably this is probably it for him in the show. Uh, I don't know. He's going to be done in the show. I, I know he, he thinks he's terrible. I think he's a. I think he's good enough to be a backup just because he can play second, third, and short, and people love versatility. Uh, I would I would think he's going to end up with either the Cardinals, who just lost Peralta for a few months. They're starting shortstop. He's not good defensively either. So Tata, he's a pretty good defender, I would say. Uh, I would also say maybe look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They always like to take uh, these bargain guys for a year, and somehow they always have great career years. Uh, and then we also have another option, I would say, maybe the Nationals look at him, or uh, maybe the Braves. Uh, I think one of those teams might be on him. I think he'll get signed very soon. I just don't understand why they wouldn't want to trade him. Um, here's the thing. I actually had this argument with someone the other day, um, at a bar in Vegas, we were talking about stuff and then, uh, Ruben Dejada came up and, uh, you know, it just, this is what Ruben Dejada is. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it. You know, if you really dive into his numbers, he's a bum. So think about this. Think about how much the Yankee fans complained about Steven Drew, right? Steven Drew had 51 extra base hits the year, not last year, the year prior, so 2014, that same year, Ruben Dejada didn't have 51 base hits. The guy can't carry his bat. He's, you know, he's a depth. He can't hit. So he's, he's essentially, he's, you know, Ray Ardonias, but he's not a gold glove shortstop. He's an all right shortstop. He has the arm, but he doesn't really get his range isn't crazy good. So, you know, like, this is a great example. Brendan Ryan is such a better major leaguer than him. You know, uh, Mike Avila is. I can name any backup shortstop in this league would steal Ruben Tejada's job in a heartbeat. Well, the thing about Tejada, he had a promising start to his career, but a lot of pressure was put on him when Reyes left. So in 2011, 
He was 21 years old. He batted 284, playing second base. 2012, 289. Uh, you know, then Rice is gone. You're the starting shortstop, and then his numbers plummeted. So tough spot for the young guy at that point. Uh, I have his shirt up with that's going to waste now. Best of luck to him with wherever he wherever he ends up. Uh, and also uh, another thing that's really big going on uh, this week, obviously, is politics. So for those of you who don't know, Marco Rubio has dropped out of the race, and the Trump train kept on rolling uh, yesterday, Tuesday. He won a bunch of states. Uh, but now the rumors have it that the Republicans are trying to get a brokered convention somehow, and they might not pick Trump, even though he will have the most delegates. Um, yeah, I've been reading that online as well, you know, Politico and all these other sites. I, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, and this is why. If you look at the delegate count uh, comparatively to how many they need, so Trump needs, you know, 50% of the remaining delegates to to win the nomination outright. And they're like, oh, contested, Cruz, blah, 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 you know, all this nonsense. If you look at the Democratic side, Hillary Clinton is almost in a very similar position that, that um, you know, Donald Trump is. But they're like, oh, she won, it's over. So, like, you know, I, some of this is just, you know, talking point nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's a possibility that Trump may get screwed because, you know, the way these delegates are going to say something crazy like, oh, uh, Trump's whatever, and they'll try to pick a random person. But how, why would they do that when obviously Trump's the best candidate people are voting for him? Uh, you got to pick Ted Cruz. He's, it is very unlikely he's going to be able to surpass Trump as delegate. And John Kasich, he needs, even if every single delegate left went to him, he still wouldn't surpass everybody, and he's going to hit the magic number. Uh, but like we did mention Hillary on the Democratic side. Hillary is just a very confused lady, in my opinion, right now. She's making things up. She just got endorsed by the KKK as well. Uh, but did you see, and it's going around social media, she was, that whole thing where she was like, where was Bernie back in whatever year? And I was fighting for this. And they, everyone has a video of Bernie Sanders right behind her. Yeah, like literally standing behind her. Yeah. Yeah, Hillary, uh, so... So we're not bounce around too much. Go back to the GOP for a second. If if Ted Cruz was one of the establishment guys, so let's just say John Kasich and Ted Cruz switched places in you know delegate counts, I would actually be a little worried about the establishment trying to you know push their guy in if it was close. But Ted Cruz is quote unquote an outsider because he's like a real hardcore conservative, shutting down the government, that kind of stuff. He's actually stepped on a lot of regular Republicans' feet. They don't like him. You know, so it's sort of the reason why why Trump can be the way he is, because the establishment basically picked Rubio as the golden boy, and they threw all that money behind him, and it didn't work. Trump just, you know, slapped him down. Now he's out of the race. So, you know, the money, the traditional the establishment, doesn't really have a guy to throw the money behind now. So I would right. say you, you'll the see establishment, The establishment messed up because originally, going back, you know, four years, their guy for this election was going to be Chris Christie, and that's who they were going to put their money behind. Then all of a sudden, for some reason, the establishment, they screwed Christie, and they said, sorry, we're going to put our money with Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio ended up not even being able to win his own state. Uh, if they were to put their money behind Christie, I think Christie could have possibly still been in the race. Yeah, yeah. So, what about, I think the problem, first of all, GOP, 
is so far away from the voter base that they just they can't they can't win a general election. And it, you know you see that through eight years of Obama, it's just because like they're they're they their heads like so far in the sand. They worry about things that the normal independent swing, you know, even the the Reagan Democrat doesn't worry about. So it's hard for them to pick a candidate they think will win. They actually ended up so they they bounced from Christie, um, you know, Rick Santorum, remember that nonsense. And then in the beginning of this particular race, they actually threw like $200 million behind Jeb Bush. And they, they did that so Jeb Bush could come in last and win 10% and yeah. <laughs> for, no, for no reason. And that actually kind of hurt Marco Rubio bad because they pushed Jeb. It didn't work, but it was too late to start pushing Rubio. And, you know, he kind of lost all the wind out of his sails. And it, this is the real reason. The voter base wants Trump. That's it. Yep. Uh, Trump, uh, I think, you know, just based on history, every time there's a presidential election where a president's going out of office, it keeps switching as of late. So with Democrats in office, I guarantee Republicans will be the next president. Republicans in office, the next president's going to be a Democrat. The, the nation likes to shift dramatically. Trump, although he's playing as a Republican, he's not a traditional Republican. That's what's scaring the GOP. But I think it's a good chance Trump is going to be the next president at this point, as long as he gets the nomination. Uh, and I think it looks like Hillary is going to get it out of the Democratic Party. Uh, now, do you think Hillary is really scared of going against Donald Trump in a one-on-one debate? Absolutely. Because unlike some of these other candidates who are, like, little charismatic and, like, quick with – quick-witted to the point where they kind of have an answer for everything. Hillary is, if you get her off of her, like, set, she's at it. She's all flustered. So you'll see that um, earlier, a couple months ago, a Black Lives Matters protester kind of, you know, put her on the spot about a statement she made in the late 90s about African-American males being super predators, and, like, she just completely fumbled. So if she's not ready for something, and listen, she can't be ready for what Trump's coming for. So if you remember, like, I think it was about three months ago. It was like right before South Carolina. Um, she said something about Trump being, um, you know, sexist or something. Yeah, sexist. That's what it was. And Trump goes, oh, was it really sexist when you were, um, you know, talking, uh, talking down to all these women that Bill sexually harassed? And, like, immediately that got nipped right in the butt. Like, the entire media was like, nope, well, let's not talk about this. Because he'll go there. He actually released a video today of <laughs> – of Hillary Clinton barking like a dog. Did you happen to see it? I did not see that, but uh, I think I, I saw, I mean, I saw the original clip of Hillary actually barking like a dog, which I don't understand why she was doing that in the first place. Uh, but Trump's going to have some really, he had some good videos uh, already on Clinton for no reason when he was attacking her, like, about, like, Bill Clinton and Bill, Bill Cosby, like, all these random things. It was just a really funny video that was just out of the blue. I can only imagine, you know, what we've seen when he's focusing just on her. Yeah, so, you know, even if you don't like Trump's politics, you know, you you got to admire the fact that the man is a marketing genius. So what he's been doing is, first of all, he's getting every media outlet to talk about him. Like, if you looked on, on Twitter at one point yesterday – Everything that was trending was about him. So he's gotten all this free publicity. And he's Teflon. He's said all these crazy things, and nothing sticks to him. It's, it's really remarkable. But the guy knows how to spin stuff. And if he's spinning it against you, listen, you know, other people tried to go dirty with him. Look at Marco Rubio. Basically ruined his career. You know, so if Hillary's going to try to get down in the mud with him, I don't think it's going to work. But, man, he no. – marketing genius so he comes up with nicknames and they become synonymous with these people lying ted low energy jeb 
you know, little Marco. Like, that kind of stuff, it seems ridiculous, but it, it worked. Yeah, it definitely did. It definitely changed the opinion of people voting. Uh, so, as we stand right now, it looks like Trump is the front runner for the GOP, unless they screw him over. It looks like Hillary's going to win the Democratic nomination. If anybody wants to call in and discuss this or any other topic, we're open to take any questions. You can dial in and call us at 1 724 444 7444. Enter the call ID 140618 followed by the pound key. That's if you're listening live. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you for that as well. We have a big guest coming up in just a minute or two, actually. It's uh, Andrew's sports fan, reporter Andrew in Fresh Meadows. Uh, but we do have a sponsor for the show now. Uh, to BMM Solutions, evolve or die. For your business to grow in the current market, you need to evolve the ever-changing online market. Grow your business with BMM Solutions. We offer high-end marketing services that are reasonably priced for the medium to small businesses. For the same price point that you currently are spending on traditional and dead markets, let us plan, create, and execute your business in the online marketplace. We will establish your SEO practices, identify SEM opportunities, and economize your marketing budget to drive up new customer acquisitions and improve your ROI. BMM Solutions, helping your business evolve with the ever-changing online marketplace. Visit brysellsmarketing.com for a free marketing evaluation today. Anything to add to that, John? No, no, that's that's good. That's actually kind of a mouthful. I think I need to cut it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I can just picture uh, my friend Seth reading that. And, uh, Who wrote this? Who wrote this? Why is it so long? long. Wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, but that's a great transition here because we do have a very big sports fan who calls the fan very often. Uh, we have Sports Mongo Andrew, a.k.a. Andrew and Fresh Meadows, a.k.a. Sports Fan Andrew on Twitter, a.k.a. Andrew. And I don't want to mess this up. If I do, I apologize. I think it's Pollock on the show. And we welcome him now at this time. Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well, Nick. Thank you very much for asking. Hey, Andrew. Right. How you doing? I am doing great. I am here in the blue room in Fresh Metals right now, in case you were wondering where I was. Well, let's, uh, you know, everyone knows you're fresh from Fresh Metals. You're a son, his father. Uh, but let's, let's go a little deeper here. Uh, what's your age? Uh, where did you go to college? Or did you go to college? What did you study? Your profession right now? Stuff like that. Go ahead. All right. So right now I'm 20. I'm going to be 21, believe it or not, on Election Day. Pure coincidence. Uh, I tried going to college uh, three years ago at Queensborough. I tried for CUNY Start. I tried my placement test twice from CUNY. and uh, Actually, it's like three times. My apologies. Failed it three times, and I decided to drop out of Queensboro. And uh, two years ago in 2014, I was a environmental services worker at New York Hospital Queens doing sanatorial duties and uh, lost my job because of contract disputes. And I was unemployed. Well, I've been unemployed for two years now, but just last year I started volunteering at uh, Long Island Jewish Medical Center. And I do... Uh, labeling for tumor registry and do mail mail work for them and uh just in december i just started volunteering in a nursing home in bayside called uh, osnum home and uh that's what i uh, am currently doing right now oh very nice so you're uh, looking at it. i like that you're doing the volunteer work right now excellent stuff 
Uh, now, we all know you're at Fresh Meadows. Earlier today, you sent out a nice tweet about how you heard that big thunder, and you said, I feel bad for anybody stuck in mid-pop right now. Well, that was me. I got poured on. Uh, how loud is that thunder? Did you hear that loud boom? I heard it, too. Well, uh, I was eating dinner at 6.45. My parents were eating with me, and we heard, and my mom was saying, that was a loud boom. I'm like, well, because Lee Goldberg on Channel 7 just said 6.45 was going to start to rain, Mom. And, uh, you know, we actually heard two thunderstrikes, but it was, uh, but I'm, that made me thought spring is now here. Well, that's the first thought that came to my mind. Well, you did, you did mention you were eating dinner. Uh, you know, one question that we like to ask our listeners here now is, uh, what's your go-to food when you go to get Chinese food? Oh, uh, I forget the name of the place in Fresh Meadows, but I know where it is. There's a Chinese place I go to on uh, Horace Harding right by, I think, 185th Street. Yeah, that's where we get our Chinese food from. I forget the name, but it's really good food they have there. I especially love the uh, sesame chicken. Sesame chicken, yeah. John, you like sesame chicken? Or you yeah, like I'm actually... I'm actually a General Child's chicken, but sesame chicken is probably my next go-to. All right, and then, uh, so Andrew, let's really get into it here now. So how long have you been calling WFM? What age are you when you started making calls? Well, uh, I, I really want to start off with how I be, got into WFM in the first place, so I'll start from there. Sure. Basically, I'd say around... 2005, keep in mind, I was 10 years old at the time. I didn't even start calling the fan. But in 2005, I saw a commercial on Yes during a Yankee game that was promoting, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog at the time. And everybody was saying, good afternoon, everybody, at the same time. And I was like, hmm, I should watch this show. And at the time, you know, I didn't get home till about 3 or 4 o'clock because I was, you know, at the private school in Long Island at the time. So I had my radio on me. And what I enjoyed most about the Mike and the Mad Dog program was hearing Chris's voice because Chris was very entertaining those three years I listened between 2005 and 2008. And uh, the day that Russo left, I was uh, very devastated. And uh, I basically took a year off listening to the fan because I was so devastated about it. But um when I found out that Michael Jackson passed away, believe it or not, I actually started listening to Mike Francesa regularly after that. And uh, my first ever call to WFAN, I'll say, was uh, right after Superstorm Sandy because um, I wanted to talk about the Lakers with Mike Francesa. And uh, just this past year, I started calling Mike because I realized I had the equipment to you know, start putting my videos up on YouTube. And uh, ever since, I've uh, called the fans since. Hey, Mike, I don't want to interrupt you, but I uh, just wanted to let you know. All right, continue. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry to cut you off there. Oh, that, that, that's okay, Nick. That's okay. But, uh, yeah, I've been calling the fans since, I'd say, spring of last year, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride the past year. I've enjoyed it very much. Okay, and as, we, as, you, mentioned, as you did allude to, uh, you're obviously you're a big Mike and the Mad Dog fan. Uh, you know, 
you were in uh, the comments this past Saturday, but a few months ago, I believe, where you were you were in uh, you were at the Times Square and you were trying to promote Francesca Khan or promote the Mike and Amanda reunion show. Is that correct? Yeah, I was, and a few people were interested, and they actually downloaded the StubHub app right on the spot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was fun doing that, and I'm glad I got the word out about it. And I'm so looking. So basically, what what are you saying when you when you were trying to promote it? Were you just going out to people and saying, "Hey, Mike Kim and Mad are reuniting the stage. Check it out on StubHub to buy it." Yeah, that was basically it. You know, I basically told people that, you know, they're getting together for the first time in eight years, and this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. Considering how Mark Messier is going to be there, Joe Torrey might be there, Peter might be there. This is a once-in-a-lifetime event that people... Okay, and Andrew, like, what inspires you to go tell people that? That I was on speakerphone. Do you want me to be on the speakerphone or no? Uh, what you're doing right now sounds a lot better. So if you could just recap uh, what you were just saying about uh, promoting Mike and the Mad Dog when you were speaking to people in Times Square. Well, the reason why I, I was inspired to get the word about the word, sorry, the word about the event was I, I heard that each ticket sale was going to the Garden of Dreams Foundation, and yeah. I love the whole message of what the Garden of Dreams Foundation promotes to basically help kids in need get, you know, interesting sports experiences. And, you know, I was telling people that, you know, if you consider buying a ticket that, you know, your, your safe, your purchase will basically help a good cause out. So that's what I'm starting to get out. Yep, absolutely. And now we, now we, everyone knows you're very critical about Francepticon because it was at Urban Plaza. That's correct, right? You're, you weren't happy about it being at Urban Plaza? Uh, well, I want to get into a story about that. Uh, last year, a lot of the Mongols were complaining that, oh, Irving Plaza is too small, and, you know, I did my personal research, and they were kind of right about that. But this past Sunday, I was talking to Mark Mongo about the venue, and I and he agreed with me that you know I he said this this setup was better than last year's, and I was thinking maybe uh, maybe Mark Mon goes on to something that you know maybe we should keep uh, Francesca Khan at Irving Plaza. Yeah, you got to keep it at the same place to make it consistent, especially when it's brand new, you know, so people know where it's at. You move around too much, you might die. You know, Urban Plaza is awesome. I love Urban Plaza personally. I saw the Foo Fighters play there in 2004. It was awesome. So, Andrew, but I, I, from what I saw in the pictures, anyway, very tight in there. Everyone's all huddled over each other. I think your idea of moving it to Madison Square Garden or the theater at Madison Square Garden or Nassau Coliseum or Mike's from or uh, the Jacob Javits Center seems like a good idea. You think you're going to try to make that happen anytime soon? Uh, the Coliseum's a dump. Well, no, no, no. They're actually renovating it. They're renovating it. They're building a new Nassau Coliseum that will open in December, I hear. Yeah, the one last time I was there was a dump. The Islanders <laughs> was losing in a dump. Oh, you're, 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 you're talking to an Islander fan. 
who's the owner of the new Coliseum? Is it MSG? You know, I am not aware of the owners, and I have not looked into it. But I, I, I from what the research I have done so far on the new arena out on Hempstead Turnpike, it's going to be brand new, and they're opening it in December of 2016. And I, I know you're from, you know, you're from Fresh Meadows, and you have plans in Long Island this past Saturday. So why don't you explain to everybody out there that's confused as to why you didn't go to Francesca Conway, you're a big Francesca fan, as to why you didn't go and why it wouldn't have made sense for you to go. Well, uh, I had plans to hang out with friends in Franklin Square that night. And for me to go into Manhattan and first go into Franklin Square the same day would have not made complete sense because uh, personally, I do not like driving. It, well, I don't drive, but my dad does. And I agree with him that driving into the city is a hassle. So every time Definitely. I go into Manhattan, I take the subway because it's easier and I don't have to worry about you know, parking and, you know, all that stuff. And to worry about getting onto the subway first and then getting to my house in Fresh Meadows and then driving out to Franklin Square, I mean, all of that to happen in one day would have not worked out for me. So that's the other reason why I did not go to Francesicon this past weekend. All right. And will you be at the Mike and the Magic reunion show or will you at least try to call in if they're taking callers? Well, uh, I might have plans on that evening, March 30th. Uh, either way, on March 30th, I will be listening to the fan all day for the classic Mike and the Mad Dog audio clips. And hopefully, well, if I'm on the road, I will likely listen to the show live. Or if I'm at my home, I will DVR it. But either way, I'll uh, I'll watch the Mike and the Mad Dog show live on MSG. Yeah. Yeah. I- gonna be- Go ahead, John. Sorry. I say I was I'm with you though. You know, when uh, Russo first left the show I was very upset because Mike Francesca was kind of an ass and Russo was the only person to ever kinda of rein him in with fucking grumpy old man that he is. So, you know, I do miss Russo as well. Yeah, everybody uh you know, it was a great program. Now Russo's over there, he's his own challenge after him, but who the heck knows how many people uh, actually listen to that show because I'm never going to pay for serious or any radio. I'm going to listen to the radio for free. Uh, yeah, Nick, and, Nick, I actually heard that we were beating them in readings. That's how fucking bad it is. Yeah, I heard uh, Well, I heard that uh, Russo just, uh, he just doesn't have to do anything. He, says he has his own channel, but ratings they don't care about because they just needed a marquee name for sports. So if we're beating them in the ratings, uh, that's great for us. That'd be Really something special. Maybe one day, once Francesca retires next year, Russo decides to retire, they reunite somewhere on some sort of medium. Uh, maybe even YouTube. So, Andrew, we know you're a, a big YouTube guy. What inspired you to start posting your videos? Uh, not only is there calls, but are other callers and then your own, like, personal, like, shoot interviews where you're just talking to the camera. All right. Well, the camera stuff probably began when I saw people doing vlogs. I forget who started the vlog trend, but I think, you know, vlogging is going to become a popular medium, and it already is by now. And uh, I said to myself, this is a good way to get myself out there to Mongo Nation on other topics because, you know, I can't be talking about sports all the time. (laughs) And recently... um, I think a few months ago when I was on holiday break and during the holiday season that 
I decided to do, you know, Star War, a, a video about Star Wars because everybody knows by now I'm a big Star Wars fan. And I did another video on Grand Theft Auto V. And uh, from there, I said to myself, vlogging is the right medium for me at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I oh, think I a lot of a lot of people really enjoy your videos with their just uh, honest, honest takes, which is great. Uh, who are your who are some other people you like to follow as far as post the videos? Just Mongo Nation members or Twitter people? All right, I'll give you a few Velo uh, favorite YouTubers that I like to watch. Um, I'm into retro. Well, I like to watch retro gaming videos on occasion, so. I'll watch uh, Metal Jesus Rock. He's well known in the retro gaming community. He used to work at a, uh, he used to work at another company called Sierra a long time ago, but now he's very well known in the retro gaming community. And um, I also like to watch the Proclaim Gamer because he actually does a lot of fun videos with you know other games like Mario and other crazy games that he can find. And right. uh, who, who how, about, how about Mike in New Haven? Oh, Mike in New Haven, yeah. I, I enjoy Mike in New Haven's videos. And who, and Z, who's the Z-Man or something I see you always interacting with? Yeah, Z-Man 1978 is a very big supporter of both our channels. Wonderful. Great stuff. Uh, and then who are, so obviously we know you're a big Mike and the Mad Dog fan. Who are some other uh, hosts that you really enjoy? And then also, who is your least favorite host? Okay, I'll give you my favorite host besides Francesca. Uh, that obviously is Steve Summers because uh, I listen to him every night under the covers, schmoozing, talking S-B-O-R-T-S, and I enjoy his shows very much. I also like to listen to Evan Roberts when he's doing his own show. And uh, also, I, I like Benico, too. I like Benico, too. But in terms of least favorite people I, I do not like at the fan, there's two people. Number one is Craig Carton. I, I used to like Carton until he made fun of Tim and Milford last year. And then uh, then there's that other guy. Uh, I'm thinking of his name right now. I know it's in the top of my head. John Jaskowski? No, not, oh, I love JJ. I love JJ. He's a <laughs> nice princessa. <laughs> John, John, hey. our my co-host from JJ, go way back. So uh, actually, Andrew, Wait, I was actually, high school. One more thing. One more thing. Um, Wait I a second! You not cut off the host. Go ahead. Wait a second. Wait a second. What are you talking about? Okay, uh, Chris Moore. <laughs> I cannot stand Chris Moore. Okay. He talks <laughs> like this and he bores me. Because it sounds like Ed Coleman. Yes. <laughs> he sounds just like Eddie C. <laughs> uh, I'm on board with you though, dude. I uh, Carton. This is why I don't like Carton. He's not a sports guy. He's like the morning radio guy. Duh. Uh, He's so immature on the air. Uh, I can't. You know, how is Boomer put up with that. that? This is what I like about Boomer and Clarton. That when I was an intern, they bought me breakfast, and then when they make fun of Susan Walden. Other than that, I don't really like the program. Uh, it's hard to listen to sometimes. Uh, but that also leads me to my next part here. The best part of that program to me is Jerry Rucker, the update guy. So, Andrew, who are your, who's your favorite update guy, and which update guy do you think is not any good? Uh, I have uh, three top guys who I like as the update guys. Uh, number one is uh, Minko, of course, especially how he was on with Mike and the Mad Dog, of course. Uh, second is uh, Jerry Recco. 
I, I love Jerry, especially how Carton annoys him every day. That's the only reason why I pay attention to Boomer and Carton. And uh, third, I have to go with Bob Usler. Wow, what a shot! Andrew just named the three anchors that do the daytime show from 6 a.m. till midnight, and he, his favorites are all three of them. So, nice. Uh, Andrew, so who is your least favorite? I guess it's got to be somebody who doesn't really do you know full-time work as far as updates. You know, I, 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 I like the update guys at WFAN. There's even one woman who does the updates during Roy Rubison's show, so I, I love Erica the updates at WFAN, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all, they're all good. They're all good people there. Uh, so, obviously, you're, you're a caller. You're a big-time caller to the fan. Uh, who, when, you talk, when you call people or even out just talking about the producers, but who do you think is the best producer on WFAN, and who do you, again, think is the worst producer? Well, I don't have a worse producer because I don't pay attention to that. But, you know, there's a story about Monzo I want to quickly get into. Last year, <laughs> last year, this is the other point I wanted to bring up about my audio clips. Uh, I'll get into that in a sec. But uh, this was Christmas Day, and many people remember that um, people thought that Monzo took down Audio Mongo and RN's Funhouse's page, which we eventually found out later it was CBS Radio who claimed copyright. And uh, there's a story about that. Uh, right before New Year's Eve, I got a hold of uh, Monzo because I figured I, I have to get a hold of him eventually. And then, you know, I told Monz this, that I'm not angry at you. I found out it was CBS who took down the channels. It wasn't you. And, you know, from there... Uh, me and Mons have been on uh, very good terms, and when Mons tweets about wrestling, I actually uh, I actually mentioned some wrestling points to him on Twitter. So the thing about Monzo is uh, when I interned there, we would always watch Raw together instead of Monday Night Football if we were supposed to. So very good guy to talk wrestling. Now, did you contact him on Twitter, or did you call him up at 877-337-6666? And instead of talking to Mike, you just wanted to talk to Monzo. How did that work out? Well, the story about that was Mike was on vacation a few days before New Year's Eve, and uh, basically I said to myself that I, I, I mean, actually what happened was I wanted to talk to Benico originally. You know, I forget what I wanted to talk to him about. Oh yeah, I think it was about the Jets. My bad. Yeah, about Powell. Yeah, I remember now. But I remember um, when I was on hold, Monzo actually wanted to talk to me. And you know we we made up, thank goodness. So what happened? You were call you were calling out on Twitter saying this Monzo guy took a ticket on the video. Well, what happened was me and the other Mongols were you know rioting against Monzo because we originally thought that Monzo took down Audio Mongols and RN Funhouse's pages and. You know, we we were upset about it originally, but then the news broke later that it was CBS who did it. So we 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 as Mongo Nation owed a big apology to Mons, and thank goodness we did because uh, ever since then, I think Mongo Nation and Brian Monzo's relations have been better since then. I think. And then uh, as of yesterday, CBS actually announced they plan to sell all their radio stations. So we'll see what happens with WFN. Uh, well, I wanted to say one quick thing. Uh, Nick, sorry about that. You were asking me earlier about my audio clips on YouTube. Um, that's the point I wanted to make earlier was, you know, I was inspired 
by Audio Mongo after his channel was taken down to start posting, you know, a few callers' clips because Mongo Nation was bothering me about my tune-in app where I record my audio clips to the fan, and I said to myself, maybe I should post calls of CJ and Mount Holly when he calls to the fan. And, you know, I figured there were other callers that I liked that I wanted to put on my channel, and uh, my channel has been very successful since I started to do that. Definitely, definitely. People check that out. Uh, and I did mention Mongo Nation. Uh, do you have a message for Mongo Nation or specifically for any Mongos on Twitter that you interact with? Well, uh, to the Mongos, I, I want to say thank you for letting me in last summer. It, it really meant a lot considering that, you know, I, I looked into getting into Mongo Nation considering how Mike Francesca has a – has a big fan base out there, and I said to myself, "I, I got to be a part of this," and I did. So How's the application who, process? How's the application process? Who did you go through to get accepted in? And who was, you said you had this message for somebody, but you didn't mention that person's name or or a Twitter or a Twitter handle. You just said, "I want to thank this person for letting me in." Uh, I have to say, um. I have to say Audio Mongo basically helped me got in, and then there was Mark Mongo, of course, and then the other Mongos knew who I was, and from there it became official that I was in Mongo Nation. All right, excellent. Uh, and then just so back towards uh, with the WFN, who is your, uh, your fa- other than yourself, obviously, your favorite callers and your least favorite callers? Well, uh, my favorite caller to the fan uh, has to be CJ and Mount Holly because he makes a lot of interesting sports points that I can agree with. And, you know, when I, when I think of CJ, I think to myself, this guy basically sounds like me. He knows what he's talking about. He calls Steve Summers. He calls John Stransky a lot. And, you know, that's the reason why – I started posting his audio clips because I wanted people to hear this guy who is in the Philadelphia sports market, first of all, talking about New York sports through a New York sports station. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Because I actually know about Mount Holly, New Jersey, believe me. Oh, you do know about it. Okay. Uh, Interesting, interesting. Uh, Now, something else here that uh, I want to get into is you're, you're big on politics, uh, saying, you, you know, just flat out, you're not a Bill de Blasio supporter, and uh, neither is John, that's for sure. Uh, you can now, join the fan club. I did read here that you might plan to run for mayor. Is that is that true? You want to announce your campaign right here on the show? Well, uh, first of all, I said I was considering it. I said I am not officially entering the race because right now it is too early to even consider anything like that because uh, there are uh, a few Republicans that I do like right now in this race that have already – well, there's only one Republican I like so far, which is Bolesville. Yes, John Casmatidis, if he's running – I would uh, definitely support him because I think he could be the next Giuliani. I really think he could. So, Andrew, 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 how are you going to make New York City great again? Yeah, what's what's your slogan? Are you going to just ban people eating? And also, more importantly, when you're you're mayor elected, 
and you go to uh, you go to like uh, a pizza place, are you going to use a fork for your pizza and a knife? <laughs> I can't you, stop laughing right now. I'm I'm literally. <laughs> do you plan on murdering a groundhog? I'm sorry, this is a funny question. <laughs> Nick was asking. <laughs> I'm from Bayside, okay? I'm from Bayside, Queens, okay? In, from Queens, we do not eat pizza with forks, okay? So when I first saw that, here's the weird thing about that. I actually was in a pizzeria watching that in Bayside when it was happening. <laughs> but, okay, on a serious you were, note. You were, you were watching a live stream of the Blasio eating pizza? Come on, man. Gotta find some better things to do. Well, because uh, I had nothing better to do, I was watching, I was watching the live stream of Violet this noon. Oh, all right. So, as, so why don't you answer John's question? How are you going to make New York great again? Uh, what's your plan to get the bums off the streets? And what's your campaign slogan? Well, uh, I haven't really thought of a campaign slogan right now because, again, it's way too early to even consider entering the race, but uh, I do want to get into my campaign strategy. Let's hear it. Is, and by the way, anybody that wants to call in and ask Andrew any questions in regards to sports or his mayoral campaign, uh, call in. This is great radio right now. one seven two four 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 seven four four four. Enter the call ID one four zero six one eight. Followed by the pound cake. This is supposed to be only an hour show. But the way Andrew is going right now, we're going to go over, and it's not a problem at all. Everyone out there is loving this right now, Andrew. And we really want to know about your policies when you become mayor. So let's hear it. That's what I was going to get into right now before you gave out the call number was uh, I want to be a very vocal person standing up to the Patrolman's Benevolent Association. And the reason why I was bashing Bill de Blasio yesterday on Twitter was I realized that the New York Police Department is in serious trouble right now. The police force feel that he is not doing a great job vocally supporting the NYPD right now. And frankly, as a longtime supporter of the NYPD personally, I, am, I was very shocked to hear about the poll yesterday because I feel bad for the cops who have to deal with the de Blasio administration. And I am very worried right now that if de Blasio gets four more years, the relations between the city government and the NYPD are going to completely fade away at this point, maybe even more by de Blasio's second term ending. I mean, hypothetically, hypothetically, I'm just saying. But the yeah, point I is, I will be a very, very vocal supporter for the Pelevans Association. I, I'd have to agree, Andrew. Bill uh, de Blasio has really shown his ass. You know, with all these freaking the, – he got rid of those stop and frisks, so now everyone's carrying guns. You know, we got the two officers who were shot and killed. He did nothing about it. You know, the guy's a real ass, and he kills groundhogs. Let's not forget about that. Well, I was going to talk about stop and frisk. I would consider – bringing it back because since stop and frisk was abolished, crime has gone up in this city, and it has concerned me a lot. I originally, back in 2013, was against stop and frisk, but now that 
the city has gotten worse since the stop and frisk policy has been dropped. Crime has gone up, and we really have to consider bringing back stop and frisk at this point. I think. Yeah. Well, again, I think uh, if we need a you know like a chief. A chief strategy officer or campaign manager. Uh, I really think you should go with uh, John over here. You know, he's got he's got a military background. He's got his he's got his first master's degree. He's great with marketing. Uh, you know, marketing. Grow your business with BM Solutions, and you can visit RiseSalesMarketing.com for a free marketing evaluation today. BM Solutions, helping your business evolve with the ever-changing online marketplace. So if you're looking for someone help with the marketing stuff, chief of staff, whatever, look for a cabinet member, I would strongly consider John. Well, John, if you follow me on Andrew Sports Fan on Twitter, we'll talk more about it then. All right, absolutely. My only uh, political experience was with uh, Congressman Michael Grimm, and that did not work out very well. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't even want to get into Staten Island politics. Well, we're not going to get into that, but Grimm's a good guy. Uh, yeah, pretty Grimm. Free Grim, free Grim, free Grim. Exactly. If Grim didn't, you know, get in any trouble, I'm, I was almost certain he was going to run for mayor. But we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe Dan Donovan will come out, and he'll he'll be a good choice. Other than obviously Andrew, who would definitely, without a doubt, be the, the, the city's youngest mayor ever. And then you know, maybe in eight years we could be talking Andrew for president. But that's that's a discussion for another time. Uh, going away from the uh, the politics here. Uh, so Andrew, um, we want to know like what is what is some of your favorite sports? But first, I want to know like, what is, what sports do you just you can't stand? It's just boring. You know, you don't really care to watch. Well, I talked about this when I made the announcement on my YouTube channel uh, yesterday, and uh, I cannot stand golf. The only time what? I can have a the only time I can ever watch golf is when Mike Francesa is doing play-by-play of it. Oh, first off, first off, Mike Francesa sucks at play-by-play. He's, he talks about himself too much, and <laughs> the, the man's not even good at golf. I've seen him play. I, I, I actually went to one of those stupid um, the Boomer Carton golf things that he went to. He sucks. Oh, he's a uh, terrible golf player because I, heard, I only play I heard, mini golf. I heard Mike Francesa taught uh, you know, Roy McIlroy everything he knows, so... Uh, I yeah. Hear, hear different things. Uh, yeah, I've as actually. Mike, as far as Mike doing play by play, did we all hear Mike doing play by play of the Utah Cincinnati game? Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> I yeah, at, least, uh, at least he's not sleeping, I guess. <sighs> Man, Andrew, how could you not like golf? Golf is the, like one of the best games ever. You think about it, it's, it's tactical, it's calming, it's physical. It's really, it's baseball, but it's all by yourself. It's. You know, not the American pastime, but it's close. Well, I want to get into golf for a sec, but I want to tell the audience something pretty interesting about Mike falling asleep for a sec. This is my senior year of high school, okay? So, one oh, of the pair of professionals. We have, a, we have a, oh, Sweetie Marty's called in. Sweetie. Oh, never mind. Sorry, sorry. Well, I'm serious, serious note, right? This is my senior year of high school. This is my senior year of high school. So, this was... This was the fall of 2012. I distinctly remember it. And one of my paraprofessionals was talking, we're talking about the Yankees, right? Because they just clinched the American League East. And we brought up Mike Francesa for a weird reason. And he mentioned to me when I ever get the chance 
go on YouTube and watch the video of Mike falling asleep. And I'm like, what? Are you talking? First of all, I'm, talk- I'm thinking to myself, are you talking about the WFAN broadcaster, Mike Francesa? And he's like, yes. You know who Sweeney Murney is? And I'm like, of course, he's the lead Yankees beat reporter. And I'm thinking to myself, my first see this video, I'm like, what in the world is he doing? Why in the what is this garbage about him falling asleep on the air? And then, of course, the prank calls came in, in which uh, my personal favorite one was the Smurfs one, of course. Get on the car phone. <laughs> the, and, the best, uh, though, is yeah. Mike, the way Mike deals with it. Mike just goes, listen, I've been on the radio for 28 years. We're number one in ratings. Listen, I'm sleeping. You know, I live in sleeping. What do you do? What do you do? You're a plumber? No one even knows who you are. Listen, Mike, Mike, Mike didn't fall asleep. He told us we got to take his place. We're here. Just resting his eyes. Yeah, he was up late the night before watching the game. He, he you know, whatever. But that, that's what he said, all right? So just before you go, because you're very tired of him. Just wait a second, all right? So let's, let's all right, not I've actually, sleep anymore. I've actually heard that some fucking intern got him caffeine-free Diet Coke instead of regular Diet Coke. That's why I fell asleep. Wait a second, wait a second. Is this true? <laughs> no. So let me just tell you guys, I was a as far as what the deal is with the Diet Coke. So imagine you're going to Costco and you're just like this huge thing of like the stacks and stacks of packages of your bottle, you know, in the package of Diet Coke. He just has like a whole thing of that, like a whole Costco shelf in his office. And Doesn't he realize Coke. that Diet Coke is a sodium factory? I don't know. Maybe you should call him up tomorrow and ask him. First of all, I never bother Mike about the Diet Coke because he basically says, I don't have time for this garbage. You know, I, I want to I quote the great Donald Trump right here, but, you know, Donald Trump says, he says he's never seen a skinny person drinking Diet Coke. Just saying. Wait, Trump actually said this? Yeah, on Twitter, you can check it out. Oh, jeez. I didn't even know about this. So, Andrew, like, we know you're a big Islanders fan. Sorry to hear that. But what other teams do you like? What other sports? Well, right now, I still have to deal with the dysfunction that is the New York Knicks right now. With, uh, with of course, Mike in New Haven, of course. So, me and him still feel the same pain. And uh, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan. I've always been a Yankees fan. And I, I, I love the New York football Giants. How did you become a Yankee fan out in Long Island? Oh, I'm no. I'm originally from Bayside, Queens. Even okay, worse. So that, <laughs> even worse. You're in Queens. Derek Jeter. Well, what about him? He's he's from New Jersey. <laughs> Still, I, I I as a kid, here's a story. As a kid, I've always admired Derek Jeter. It's a true story, because he's as a fan. He's given me the best baseball memories, and I've fallen in love with the Yankees franchise altogether. But I did support the Mets in the World Series. I still got to show my Queen's, Queen's pride. So, uh, Andrew, how old were you in 1996? Oh, I wasn't even born. I, w- I was born in 1995. Okay, well, you know what? At least that makes sense. Because a lot of people that are my age, they were Mets fans, and then all of a sudden in 1996, everyone became Yankee fans like Magic. Well, right. the story about my Yankee fandom goes back to 2001 because at the time I was just a little kid 
And, you know, I was scared about 9-11, of course. But then after I saw on the news that Piazza hit the home run and then Jeter hit the home run on the World Series, I felt that baseball was my scapegoat at the time because miracles were happening on the on the on the diamond, of course. But, you should have become a Met fan, man. That Mike Piazza home run was like three or four days after 9-11. That Derek Jeter home run was in October, a month later. No one pff, boring. Mike, it's Mike Piazza who brought back the city. You know, and I don't worry about was, that was my mom got me a 2002 American League East shirt. She did. Uh, tough luck. <laughs> but did you guys see this, that Sports Illustrated did their 100 greatest moments in sports list, and mm-hmm. Mike Piazza's home run did not make the list. What? What? I, mean, I, I, know, I know I was in Sports Illustrated this week, so I really shouldn't be bashing them, but I don't understand how that happens. It's, it's, it's a great moment. It's, it's I even saw Piazza play at Shea Stadium. Yeah, I yeah know, that's... So, so, I mean, it's really crazy. And, Andrew, I mean, you've been fine here. You've been great. We want to actually keep you on for another segment. Would it be okay if we put you on hold for a few minutes? Yeah, that would be great, guys. I, I want to continue this conversation. All this right. Been so we're, great. Gonna you, we're going to put you on hold here, Andrew, and we'll be right, we'll be right back with you. Uh, and we're going to bring in on our, at this time uh, our NBA specialist. It's Brad Ball and Popkins. Brad, what's going on? Good to be on, guys. Hey, Brad. Uh, what's up? Sorry, sorry that we kept you on hold, but uh, – when we have no a problem. future mayor on the line or someone who thinks they're going to work for mayor, we got we to gotta go with it. He was breaking down the, the magic news that uh, he's going to be running for mayor. Now, obviously, this big game is going on tonight and as the coming days, but the game we got to talk about right now, since we're all Knicks fans, is the huge matchup tonight of the Splash Brothers versus the No Brothers. It's Clay Thompson, Seth Curry taking on Jose Calderon, and Sasha Vujicic in the backcourt. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close one. What do you think, Brad? That's quite the trio. Um, I, I have, I really don't have much faith in them tonight. Uh, obviously, they're shorthanded without one of their best wing defenders, and Aaron Aflalo. Uh, it's definitely not looking good. They're probably going to be spreading the ball around, hitting those three pointers like they are those snipers. Yeah. So obviously, the Knicks have no shot. Uh, at all. Uh, just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me as to why uh, Sasha Vujicic and Kozak Calderon are playing, let alone but, starting. Why is Jerry and Grant not playing? And why does Christoph Zingas not play? First of all, yeah. That, that's a really good question. I think that Kurt Randis uh, is definitely setting himself up for failure. Although, you know, Phil Jackson recently stated that it would be uh, likely that Rambis may be retained provided he ends the season well. Well, you're not going to end the season well by not playing Jerry and Grant, at least his season, because, look, you, you have to get him minutes. And uh, picking up an offense like the triangle is, is really, really hard. Look, uh, he's going with veteran talent. You know, he might be looking to win more so than develop his younger players. That may be what's going on here. Uh, but I think that that's what all the Knicks fan wants. Yeah, I just I don't understand why they're trying to win when they're not going to make the playoffs and overdraft picks. It's you got like, to yeah. see what these guys got. you got to see if Grant can play. 
you got to you got to let Pazingas play at the end of the game. It just doesn't make any sense. But I think he's about. really going with Jose Calderon after that buzzer beater he hit in L.A. I think that's what's doing it. He's trying to he's trying to ride the hot hand. He's trying to ride the hot hand. Let's try to talk about like some, a, a real basketball team here or uh, a real basketball player. Uh, so let's hear your Brad's balls of the week and once again just tell everybody the criteria and why you chose them. Well, we're going to go with some talent that obviously are on playoff-bound teams. They are successful in the week. They've won good matchups. So to take it away, we're going to go with a guy north of the border. I'm a fan of his, Kyle Lowry. Uh, Knicks were on the verge of trading for him back when they had Amon Shumpert, I think it was last season. This guy is routinely turning in good performances. He had the Raptors in a very close game against Chicago, and then he just beat uh, the Bucks. I think it was last night. This guy has been consistent all year long. He came in better shape this season, I believe. So he's got them firing on all cylinders. They're chasing the Cavaliers down for the number one spot, although I don't think it will happen. Uh, they have the number two seed. So Kyle Lowry, I just think he's a great player, obviously. This guy can orchestrate the offense. He's got great chemistry in the backcourt. They're probably one of the more underrated backcourts in the entire league for the way DeMar DeRozan has stepped up. Uh, I believe he was in the all-star game this year. I think reserve, I'm not sure, starter. Kyle Lowry of the Raptors, excellent player. Then we're going to move on to another guy in the backcourt, point guard as well, kind of unheralded, doesn't get his just due. Kemba Walker from UConn, had that great NCAA tournament run several years ago. Now he has the Bobcats, excuse me, the Hornets, uh, clinching a playoff spot or in the process of clinching. This guy, he's been consistent all year long. You know, his shot is a little bit iffy, but he's held the ship. Al Jefferson, Jefferson, excuse me, has been hurt. He's got Marvin Williams on the wing, former Atlanta Hawk. I mean, this guy, what what can you say? Who's doing less with more? I think Kemba Walker, great floor general, great playmaker, explosive athlete. I think think Kemba Walker is being helped out by his backup, Jeremy Lin. Jeremy uh, Lin. Gives him a good rest when he comes off the bench and doesn't have to – he's not getting overplayed anymore because Jeremy Lin is definitely a – Quality, quality NBA point guard, I think. You know, Jeremy Lin, you know, he rode his fame to the top, but he's settling in as a good backup. I would agree. I think he's fantastic off the bench, you know, a little turnover prone, but that's just the way he plays. I think that he's a solid backup and and will definitely continue to be so, without a doubt. Yep. And... And then moving on, Paul George. I mean, this guy, I would say, just grew in leaps and bounds. Nobody expected this turnaround from his injury last year. Broken leg, uh, you know, playing for the, you know, the U.S. team. This guy, I mean, what, what can I say about him? Does it, every, does it every night, every single which way, fills up the stat sheet. Uh, they lost to uh, – just beat the um, – who did they beat the other night? Uh, I think it was the Celtics. They beat the Celtics last night, the Indiana Pacers. Paul George, you know, basically almost a walking triple-double every night. The Pacers, 
they're in the middle of the Eastern race. They're going to be set. I would watch out for them in the playoffs. Paul George, great Indiana Pacers team. Then we're going to move on to a guy I listed on my la- the last time on the show, the Greek Freak from Milwaukee. Another walking triple-double. They lost to the um, – who did they lose to early in the week? I forget. But they just beat um, – no, they lost to Toronto, and then they beat somebody else. Anywho, the Greek Freak, excellent player, multidimensional. Milwaukee's got a lot of them. Jason Quid has a lot of toys to play with. Milwaukee Bucks are a very interesting team to, you know, verse right now. And right, then, right. What yep. do you think about the Grizzlies and Birdman leading them to the playoffs? The Grizzlies and who? Birdman leading them to the playoffs. <laughs> Birdman has been good since the Grizzlies got him from the Heat. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Anderson, well, the Birdman, he's been around this league a long time. He's been in the NBA Finals, been on the Denver Nuggets, been on playoff teams countless times. Um, overall, I think he adds a lot of depth to the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, uh, they're with Mar- without Marc Gasol now, you know, Zach Randolph can't play the same kind of minutes as he's used to. You know, they rely, uh, you know, they rely now on Lance Stevenson a little bit. Mike Conley's always banged up. So, um, going into the playoffs, I, I, you know, I, this isn't a Memphis team that, you know, took San Antonio to the brink several years ago. Uh, you know, I think it might be one and done for them. Uh, you know, I don't even know what seed they're in currently at the moment. If anyone could update me, but I think that... Uh, well, Marcus Saul got hurt, so I don't think they have any shot, really. The Grizzlies. Really? I mean, they set the tone defensively, yeah, you know, but that can only... Actually, the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are going to make the playoffs. They're the 5 seed, 39-28. They're definitely making the playoffs, I think. Uh, the, the Jazz are playing really good, although their record doesn't show it, but they had, they beat the Heat the other night. They play really good defense. The Jazz are a good young team, but by the guy the best pair in the NBA, Gordon Hayward, uh, I think they're going to be a good team going forward. Gordon Hayward, the, the Jazz? Gordon Hayward and the Jazz, yes. Yeah, he's another multidimensional player, you know, can play both ends of the floor very well. They've got a nice mixture of young talent, you know, uh, Trey Burke, uh, Alec Burke, uh, They've got they've got some really good talent. I think they'll be good for years to come. The Jazz have always had like a solid foundation, you know. Even when they had Deron Williams, yeah, yeah, they got you know Ronnie Hood, Roy Gobert now. Obviously, Gordon Hayward, yeah. Trey Burke, Alec Burks. They got a good core. They're definitely they're the second youngest team. They play really good defense. Quinn Snyder's good coach. I think they're going to be good, you know, in the next few years. Uh, but go back to the list if you don't mind, Brad. Sorry, we took you off off track there. <laughs> No problem. Well, to wrap it up, I'd like to give a nod to DeMarcus Cousins. He's super talented, obviously. He's, I mean, a bit of a hothead, but you know, who isn't an NBA? Can he win, though? You know, I mean, he's been good for the last, he's been very good for the last three years. Now he has Rondo. He has Rudy Gay for a full season. You know, what have we really seen out of him? He still puts up the same numbers, but they can't win. You know, uh, it, yeah. it probably probably goes down to the coach. I like George Carl. You know, he had he had Carmelo Anthony playing at a high level. You know, then again, you know, Carmelo is a is a is a one dimensional player. But well, Carmelo is you know, he could take over a game or he makes yeah. people around him better. DeMarcus Cousins, everywhere he's been except for Kentucky, the guy's been a loser. Like he can't his his career record with the Jazz, 
I mean, excuse me, with the Kings is probably like 150 games under 500. So I think yeah. that's the problem there. And George Carl is like one of the winningest coaches of all time. Yeah. So I, would, I would blame Cousins. Yeah, Cousins yeah, is a know, head case. He probably belongs in a team like, I, I, you know, with, with, a, with a stable, like with like San Antonio Spurs, like, you need a leader. You know, he needs somebody with him in that locker room. It's just the same thing with the Knicks. The Knicks aren't going to win with Carmelo if they don't have the Jason Kidd, the Rasheed Wallace, the Marcus Candies of the world, you know? And that, you know what, I think, like, uh, DeMarcus Cousin would have fit in really well back in the day with the jail Blazers, when they used to be called that. Uh, that team was oh, absolutely yeah. insane. He's fitting great with them. Because he's, he's, he's a head case, but... Uh, we want to thank you for the list there, Brad. Some good guys there that have been balling out. But who has been like the dud of the week, really, team or player-wise? <laughs> well, I'd like to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. You know, they threw up a dud against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think they were blown out by over 30 points. You know, the Trailblazers have been a team that have surprised a lot this year. You know, they had some turnover, but they are – you know, they're bolstered by C.J. McCollum, leader for the sixth man of the year award. This guy's a 20-point-per-game 20 score every night. Hits the three ball at a consistent clip. Has great ball-handling ability. Damian Lillard's taking the next step. I, I'm looking at the Trailblazers like, you know, what what can you do? I mean, they have a lot of, you know, perimeter talent. I think what it comes down to is rebounding with that team. You know, um, they've got Aminu on the perimeter as well. Uh, they've got, well, they had Robin Lopez. That was a big key they lost. They, you know, they didn't really, they didn't contain the big players, you know, well, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. Um, I would have liked to see more of a, a concerted effort. They have a decent bench. They got guys like Gerald Henderson. But, you know, I would have, I would have liked to see a better defensive effort there. And I think that, um, I think that come playoff time, they're in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. Uh We'll, we'll we'll see a much better overall unit. Can they win? We'll see. But uh, the Trailblazers, they're gonna get a you know they're gonna get an F you know versus versus <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder. For sure, they're not sure. Uh, right now, we're gonna bring Andrew back in line to see if he has any NBA questions for Brad. Uh, <laughs> up to Andrew. You have anything to ask Brad about the NBA? Well, uh, Brad. I want to hear your thoughts on the Eastern Conference. Wow. Eastern what, Conference. A, what a broad question. But go ahead, Brad. <laughs> well, you've got Indiana around the middle of the pack, so I believe. you got LeBron. you got the Cavaliers still moving forward. Um, they're all odds-on favorites in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, one of the surprise teams, I think, uh, you know, if they could get hot and challenge – uh, for the Eastern Conference crown would would probably be Toronto. Um, their main competition, I would think, uh, they're going to get Damar, Damari Carroll back on the wing. They've got uh, Valanciunas uh, as center. Great backcourt, as we know. Uh, they've been to the playoffs now two consecutive years in a row. Um, I think this is their time to take the next step. Uh, obviously, have Chicago, but they're going to limp into the playoffs. They're always hurt. The two teams, you know, that that I would I would look for. Miami's there as well. You know, they've got Dwayne Wade, well, Dang. But I think I think it's going to be a two-team race. I think it's going to come down to Cleveland and, and Toronto in the, the Eastern Conference Finals. 
Well, that's definitely, uh, you know, not really going out on a limb. But in basketball, you don't need to go out on a limb because it's very rare that anyone other than the one, two, or three seed are making the Eastern Conference Finals at the major issue of basketball, in my opinion. Uh, the team that I personally like out of the East, other than the Cavaliers, is a team me and Brad talked about two weeks ago. And that's the Boston Celtics. I think uh, I just think they have a great. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a superstar thing, but they have the best coach in the league, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, Brad Stevens. Without a doubt, I think uh, he's definitely in line for you know uh, coach of the year just because of how quickly he t- you know turned around that roster. Um, they they play as a unit. What can you say? There's hardly, you know, any team basketball now. I mean, there's chemistry amongst players, but I think that, um, I think that the Celtics overall are a, are a great team, you know, top to bottom, you know, from Isaiah Thomas down to, down to Sullinger and some of the big boys in the middle. Um, they've got yeah, great wing your players. Boy, great. Your boy, Jay Crowder, right? Jay Crowder. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. I like him. Uh, came from the Mavericks. Uh, little you know, little known fact. I, I still don't understand why the why the Celtics cut David Lee and then he ended up on the map and she's playing great. Didn't make any sense yeah. to me, but I guess that's the business of basketball. Considering oh, that course. maybe maybe the Celtics would like to get Kevin Love this summer. That is mm-hmm. a rumor. Uh, but who wouldn't like to get Kevin? Uh, who wouldn't like to get Kevin Love? Or I think they also were looking at Durant. Uh, great players, but. Now, only time will tell, and obviously, Brad will keep you up to date on things NBA and, of course, MA right here on our show, and as well as on our website, dicknacknews.wordpress.com. So he'll be writing stories, giving his predictions on stuff, so look out for that. Brad, thank you for the time. Thanks for calling tonight. Hey, Brad, Brad, before you go, yeah. who are you voting for for president? Go. Well, me? Uh, well... I tell people this all the time that uh, I have a fear that if it's uh, Hillary or Donald, that we are going to become dumber as a country. Because with Hillary, you're getting more government spending. And with Trump, the whole make America great again thing will probably end up meaning make America racist again. All right. Well, hold on a second there, Andrew. I just want to know, like, uh, maybe there's something wrong with your phone line. Maybe you were just speaking for Brad, but John asked Brad a question, so I'll go back to you in a second. Andrew. <laughs> so, so, Brad, if you want to answer that, you can. If not, you don't have to. It's up to you. You know, I would have to say definitely not Democrat, and I'll leave it at that. There you go. All right, go. I like All right. thanks, Brad, and uh, thanks for calling in and look for Brad's work on our website. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, thanks. No problem. So, no, Andrew, Andrew go, uh, John's going to cut into you right now. A little bit, a little bit. Could you explain to me one, just one example of when Donald Trump has been a racist? Go. Well, he's, he's basically called all Mexicans drugs, crime dealers. No, he called, he called illegal immigrants. Oh, Correct. Or illegal not, immigrants. Illegal immigrants is not a race. True, I understand that, but... Uh, I'm also afraid for the Muslims in this country because uh, many people know that I am Jewish. And uh, when Donald Trump talks about, oh, we're going to get rid of all the Muslims temporarily, it, it reminds me of my ancestors in Nazi Germany because 
it, it, when I first heard that, it startled me, and I thought to myself, this might be the new regime in this country where we, as a nation, will say, oh, we're going we're gonna to become like the Nazis now. That's my fear of a Trump presidency, but I do see positives out of a Trump, out of a Trump presidency, though. Let me just jump in there for a second, because I, I deal with this metaphor quite a bit, and I think it's because we're so sensitive about ever becoming a Nazi that this could be a, you know, this is why it's a thing. But, you know, in the 1930s, Jewish people in Austria, Poland, and, and Germany weren't blowing themselves up. They weren't yeah, cutting off people's heads. Romania, and anywhere in Eastern Europe, they weren't doing that to the Nazis. So the idea that the – and he's not talking about putting them in internment camps. He's just saying stopping them from coming in the country. And I don't yeah, know if that's a terrible idea. He's not idea. kicking anybody out. It's just, it's just his policy is we've got to you know, stop somebody, ISIS people, radical if Islams he, in the country. Uh, if you take a look at what's happening in Germany, that's all you've got to see. Look at, look at what's going on in Germany, the, the, you know, the mass rape of Germany right now because they let in all those refugees. It's insane. But so we as a country right now need to come together. That's what my point is. That's why we got to come together and make America great again. But, uh, Andrew, if, it was, <laughs> if for some reason if it was between de Blasio and Trump, who are you going for? Oh, I'm going Trump then. <laughs> as I, again, I can, the only positive I liked of the de Blasio administration, there's one positive I'll give, is that he stood up for children trying to get into private schools. So that I'll give him credit for. And how do you feel what de Blasio did when it came to, you know, snow removal and closing down schools for snow? Well, I posted a YouTube video about the snow removal uh, back in the blizzard because um, I go to 7-Eleven a lot when, you know, I'm on break at the nursing home and uh, my normal walk became a long nightmare where I had to even walk in the street, believe it or not. So, uh, but I felt bad for those other communities in South Queens that were affected. And if I were the mayor, I would have personally have toured the area because I want to make sure that I am there for the people of New York City for all five boroughs. I like it. I, I like I like your statement. You got my vote. Yeah, you know what? I think, uh, like you said, Andrew's already started his campaign trail here. So, make sure well, again, I am not Nick. Nick, I am not. I just tweeted this out a few seconds ago. I am not officially in the race yet because I already like Bogatel. I think we do need a former detective running things at City Hall. And again, the only reason why I'm jumping in is if this race becomes dysfunctional. So far. The race so has not become the you're, doing, you're, you're doing what Bloomberg did with the presidency. You're, you're doing some early polling to see, you know, what would happen if you're out there. But I just want, I just want you to know that if you end up running, you got to send me and John either a T-shirt or a button or a pin or something saying, you know, Andrew, whatever the year is, and because it's good here. You made your announcement here officially, pretty much that you might get into the race. We want to thank you for, you know, announcing that here. Uh, now, one other thing we want to talk about, because you did mention it in the Hype Up video, get people to watch this show. we got WrestleMania coming up in a few weeks here. Same night as opening day with the Mets. Opening day with the Mets. So, WrestleMania, if you have a quick here, what's your take on what's going to happen at WrestleMania? Well, uh, I enjoyed the wrestling 
talk you had last week. And, uh, it, and you know, I'm very happy that at least John Cena is not headlining at WrestleMania. But uh, as far as the current status of the storylines going into WrestleMania, I told people back in January that because Vince McMahon has this master plan for Seth Rollins' return, that it would only make sense for Triple H to be the champion until Rollins comes back. And I understand that the company wants to push Roman Reigns, and it makes sense for him to headline right now. But I'm telling you right now, if Triple H somehow loses to Roman Reigns, then the Vince McMahon's plan will somehow veil. Because the only reason why I think Shane is even, Shane McMahon's even fighting The Undertaker, you know, just for publicity. I mean, it's only for Shane to get his moment of, uh, his moment of, I think his five-second moment, I guess. Well, it's going to be five seconds, but I think, you know, Shane wants to have his, his kids want to see him wrestle, and Shane's known for doing the big spots, so maybe, you know, that at and Stadium, they'll go up on the... Uh, and I've seen, and, I, and in the past, I've seen... I've seen Shane wrestle. Shane Shane was a uh, during his prime. Shane was basically the best that was out there at the time. And you know, I understand what Shane has been doing the past few years. He's run businesses. He's been a family guy. And you know, right now his next business venture is to run the family dynasty, and that is the WWE. But uh. I have a fear that this could be Taker's last match, knowing, you know, I mean, come on, the guy's 50 years old. I mean, how long can he wrestle? And at, at this, I'm afraid that if Undertaker loses this match, then his legacy will be tarnished. Uh, I think Undertaker's going to win. Well, uh, I, I, I just don't think Shane's back for good, so just that. You told me about the other match. So and, and keep in mind here, keep in mind here, Undertaker has dominated in Hell in a Cell. There is the odds of Shane winning that match are are very. It's a very long shot number we're talking about here. Well, you know, well Shane's known for his big spots. So like I was saying before, it's at AT and T Stadium. They got the big TV in the middle. So if Shane goes up on the TV, jumps off it onto the onto the Hell in a Cell, hits Undertaker. Uh, and then just so left with that match, we gotta start wrapping up here. Yeah, exactly. Knowing how Shane is, he'll do anything crazy. Any other matches you want to talk about before we wrap this up here? Well, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Brock Lesnar take on Dean Ambrose because I would like to see Dean Ambrose uh, being taken into Suplex City. So. Uh, those are the only three matches I'm into right now, which is the main event World Heavyweight Championship with Triple H and, and Reigns. Then you have, of course, Shane taking on The Undertaker, and then uh, Lesnar taking on Ambrose. So those are the three Ambrose, matches I want to see. Ambrose and Lesnar is going to be the, the best match because it's going to hold far. It's going to be crazy. But we're going to get more into you know wrestling talk as wrestling gets closer, so be sure to listen to that. Uh, I definitely then, will. And then, uh, So then we got we're going to wrap this show up here. We want to thank you for calling, Andrew. It's been great. So we don't, as for anybody that doesn't know, John, is our, my co-host, is Irish. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. So other than the fact that John will probably be drinking, well, we want to know what, what are your St. Patrick's Day plans, Andrew? Well, uh, tomorrow I don't really have anything big planned. So uh, 
I mean, I have a lot of Irish friends, and they'll be supporting it tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> I would not be getting drunk on a Thursday afternoon, that's for sure. If that's I were drinking smart. age. And one last thing talking about St. Patrick's Day. Uh, how do you both feel, I'll go with John first, that the Blasio, after protesting the parade, is finally making his return tomorrow? Yeah, we don't want him. <laughs> and uh, Andrew, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, first of all, I am very upset that de Blasio is even, you know, going down the parade route tomorrow because basically from what my predictions see out of this upcoming race, you know, the Democratic Party of the city of New York is going to basically try to challenge de Blasio's nomination. And for him to be walking down Fifth Avenue tomorrow is a complete embarrassment. But I'm very happy for the LGBT groups that will be marching tomorrow. All right, hey, Andrew, before we let you go, just give us, give us some last parting words here, uh, maybe whatever you want to talk about, and then just end us off with, if you were to run, what would your campaign slogan be? Well, for the – well, I want to say something very important to the New York City residents, and this is very important. Next year – when you are voting, make sure that you do not vote for a candidate who will not stand up for the NYPD. All right. Very, very strong words there from Andrew. Andrew, we want to thank you for being our guest on tonight's show. Uh, there was some hilarious moments. It was definitely much listen to radio. And thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. And one more thing thanks. before I hang up. The audio of this show will be on my YouTube page sometime this weekend, so check it out, the Andrew Sports Fan YouTube page. Yeah, right. good. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for, thanks for that, Andrew. Thanks for calling in. And uh, for everyone that just heard him, you can check it out on the YouTube page, but check it out on our website instead, knickknacknews.wordpress.com. We'll have the audio posted there of the podcast, or obviously you can be listening to the podcast right now. Uh, so, John... Well, that was just a crazy interview with uh, Andrew. Any takeaways from that? Um, I thought he was older, so I, you know, I was gonna give him some shit about being a, becoming a Yankee fan, but uh, after ninety six, yeah, I, I, I thought he was older as well. Um, but so like, like we heard here, he might be the youngest mayor uh, in in hey, history. He's the new uh, uh, Rubio. Rubio is only forty four. He's gonna be the New York City's Rubio. Absolutely. <laughs> And any any big plans for you tomorrow at St. Patrick's Day? No, I got work, but uh, back to the Bill de Blasio thing. That guy's fucking disgrace here. Like, listen, the fucking gays got their own parade. Why do they got to come to ours? It's St. Patrick's Day. It's not Irish Heritage Day. It's St. Patrick's Day. There's a whole bunch of Irish people who aren't Catholic, and they're not invited either. You yeah, know, it's, it's, mean, a, it's a religious holiday. The thing about de Blasio and parades, He's always in the parades now. Uh, the thing that was driving me crazy was when we had the Italian of Heroes for the U.S. women's soccer team, and we have, like, sh- his wife, Charlene, in, like, the first float holding the World Cup trophy. Do you remember that? It just it didn't yeah. make any sense at all. Just absolutely not. Uh, yeah. And then it's just it's crazy. Uh, and then I just want to end here. We'll end with uh, let's get your take real quick because we know Brad touched on it, but, like, how do you feel about, you know, like, the Knicks just – continuing to play Calderon and, and Vujicic over Grant. 
So uh, actually, funny story, when I was in Vegas, I went to a restaurant called The Stadium, and it's kind of like Buffalo Wild Wings, except it's broken up in like stadium seating, and you can watch whatever game you want in like your little booth, and you can gamble the game right there at your table. It's really cool. So I watched Nick's um, Clippers, and I gambled on it, and the Knicks did not cover, and I won like $25. It was very good. Um, the Knicks team right now is just it's not good. Um, I, I understand to a point why they're not playing some of the young guys, only because you know, Porzingis has kind of hit his rookie wall a little bit, so they're going to try to limit his minutes. But playing guys who you know are not the future, who are going to be out the door, there's no reason. Just, you know, we, we know they're not it. They're not going to get better at 39. You know what I mean? They, the best years behind them. Play somebody young. I know we got to control, like, young superstars like Porzingis' numbers. But other young guys, you know, these D-league guys we, we dug up out of the grave, fucking let them run out there. You never know. You'll get light, lightning in a bottle. You know, unfortunately, when you have an interim coach, you know, a lot of it is, all right, here's 40 games, you know, play 500 basketball or you're gone. So he's not really looking at the long-term picture. He's looking at the short-term picture. But, you know, we're not getting draft picks, so I guess it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, well, they should see what they have with with our current roster. I said, you know, Porzingis should be playing at the end of the game. Grant should be starting. Bring back up Jimmer for death. He should start. And bring up uh, Ben Aces. Antetokounmpo, who should play as well. So, Kerr Randall, Phil Jackson, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are since we, uh, we're the new Mad Dog Radio over here, better ratings than Mad Dog. Uh, play, play the young guys, call up the D-leaguers, and the team will be much better off in the long haul. Get these young guys some experience right now in these games that don't mean anything. You're not playing for a draft pick. You're not playing for, playing for, for the playoffs. You're just playing and the season. So, call up the young guys. Or take the young guys you have right now and let them play. That's been our show. It's been our longest show yet. Uh, we want to thank our callers, Brad Ball Hopkins, and of course, Andrew Fresh Meadows uh, for his great uh, almost hour long interview. John, thanks for co hosting tonight. Uh, yeah, no problem. We'll be, we'll be back at it again next week. Thanks for listening. This has been Nick Nack News Radio, episode number five.